Okay. Well, hi, my name's Andrew. If we haven't met, I'm one of the leaders here, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to our time together this morning. It's great to gather with God's people, the church, and, with the, uh, and to meet with God. And I hope this morning you will find you encounter the living God who we worship as we uh, spend our time together this morning. I also just want to start by saying Delta, that's our younger youth group. Thank you so much for how you are serving us this morning, serving in lots of different teams. We so appreciate you being involved and serving us in this way. So Delta and your leaders, thank you so much for doing that. That's fantastic. Okay, well, as we gather to worship God in song, as we gather to fix our eyes on Jesus I just want to share some uh, news um, about our recent gift week. I know often we, you know, we like to give an update. Uh, for those who don't know, perhaps you're visiting, we've had a gift week uh, in the early mid-October, and the aim was to see if we could reduce or even clear our mortgage, uh, which we have on this building, which we've been paying for the last 18 years. And um, uh, the update on our gift week is... Uh, the uh, gift week total now stands in the high 60,000s, which means our mortgage has dropped down to the low 20,000s, which is absolutely fantastic news. Having said that, though, in the last 10 days, we have received some additional gifts, which have gone straight into our building fund, uh, which total more than £20,000, which means we've cleared our mortgage. Praise God! God is faithful. Uh, let's calm and worship and delight ourselves in this wonderful, faithful God. Let's stand, please, folks.
yes, thank you, Lord, for your amazing love. Thank you we can sing of your amazing love over and over. Lord, we're so thankful. It's now, now time for our children to go um, to their morning um, groups. And we pray a blessing upon our kids. So thankful for them and all the workers that are um, um, using their time to um, work with them this morning, Lord. We just pray a blessing on them this morning.
Shout Jesus. Shout Jesus for all the mountains. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for all family. I speak the holy name. Jesus. Your name. Your name is.
Final breath. 
Thank you, band. It's lovely just to be able to worship together. Thank you. A couple of things I'd just like to share this morning. First of all, something that an incident, a situation where uh, we've been asked to pray. And in a moment, I'm going to ask us just to stand and raise our hands and pray for this situation. Uh, there's a teenager, teenage girl uh, called George, who had a very serious, was hit by a car on last week, and was very seriously injured. So, Karina has kindly asked us to pray, to ask for God to intervene. She's in Southampton Hospital, and the doctors have done a fantastic job. But obviously she still needs intervention in order to be able to survive this, this accident. So can we just stand and let's just pray. And pray your own words, but just ask God to move in power and glory in George's life, but also for her family. And also the, um, the family and the driver of the car involved. Let's just pray together. Father God, we just lift George before you now, Lord, and just ask that you would move in your power and your glory. Lord, you can do miracles. We've seen so many examples of that, not only in your word, but also in real life. And we just ask for your miracle touch of healing, Lord, in this situation. Lord, bring George through this horrible incident, Lord, and help her to recover. Even if it takes time, Lord, just to recover and just to become well again, Lord. We lift her before you and her family, Lord, and we just praise you in your name, Lord, for you are glorious and you can do anything at all, Lord. All things are possible for you. We believe that, Lord, and we ask now that you'd move in your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Do be seated. It is really good when people do bring situations out to, to us so that we can actually pray and we can see God's intervention. So I've just asked to, to share this morning a word which I believe is for our church, us as individuals, but also as, as a whole. Um, so one morning recently I was just dreaming about people dancing in church, would you believe? And this dancing wasn't really sort of very fluid. It was, I've seen it before in, in, in American videos where people are dancing in a very upright, rigid way. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Irish dancing, I think. Um, and it, you know, it, it looks unusual. And it was, it was in a church, and God was reaching out to touch those who wanted to join in the dancing, one by one. And so as people came out, other people sat down having been touched, those people came out to the center, and they began dancing energetically. And God was ready to touch each one so they could receive his power, so they could dance, but not just dance like that, but also just sort of life dance, praise him and bless him. And as I sort of prayed about this, I believe that God wants us as Harvest Church to desire more of his power, the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to touch each one of us who desires his presence and desires more of his power. And he's seeking churches who desire to know him more and more and to be filled with his spirit. 
so we can be at the forefront of the move of his spirit if we really desire his presence and if we're prepared to step forward in obedience. And I felt God said, don't be afraid. Be ready to receive my Holy Spirit, to move in my spirit. Don't be afraid to worship me in the power of my spirit. Don't be afraid to speak out my words. Don't be afraid to lead others. Don't wait. As you sense my spirit in you, step out and worship me in freedom as you have never worshipped me before. Do not restrict or quench my spirit. Receive my spirit as I move amongst you and allow me to have my way. I am calling each of you. And I just asked the Lord just to clarify what he was saying. It's probably clear enough. I said, I'm a bit cheeky like that sometimes. Lord, tell me a bit more. And it became clear that he wants to come in power on groups of people, on churches who are ready to be obedient, ready to receive a fresh anointing of his spirit. And he wants these churches, congregations, fellowships to lead and inspire other churches to reach out to him so that they can also receive his blessing and know his power. So this would be a start of something much bigger than we can imagine, which would grow and grow if Harvest Church and other churches would be obedient to him. So let's just pray into that. Thank you. Father God, we thank you that you have desires for us as individuals and as a group. We thank you that you have plans for us. We've seen that in a magnificent way with the way in which this mortgage has been cleared, Lord. And that's just a touch of what you're doing, Lord, just a sign of what you're wanting to do, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that each one of us, Lord, will be open to you, Lord, open to your power, open to the move of your Holy Spirit in our lives, open to you directing and strengthening us and also building us strongly together as your body. Lord, speak into our lives day by day as we think of you and as we pray to you, as we read your word. And Lord, just cause us to have a fresh anointing, each one of us, Lord, a fresh anointing through your spirit, Lord that we'll be able to move in power and glory like we've never done before. Something new, something different, something beyond what we've seen as normal, that we can actually know your blessing and your power and your glory for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to ask Richard now to come and share with us. Thank you, Richard. Good morning. Good, you're awake. Let's pray. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch him. Say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord. Help us to listen. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see Jesus. This morning, I'd like to take you back 2,000 years 
to witness the baptism of Jesus. Although, in fact, all we can do is read it in Matthew's account. So let's read it. Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the river Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. question I want to ask this morning, or one of the questions I want to ask this morning, is why was Jesus baptised? And actually, that's a really easy question to answer, because Jesus tells us why he wanted John to baptise him. Verse 15, he said, let it be so now, it is proper for us to do this, to fulfil all righteousness. So that could be the end of the sermon, and we could all go home. But what does that actually mean, to fulfill all righteousness? Well, I'd, I'd encourage you to consult wiser people than me to explore the many nuances of that phrase, but let's have a go at exploring its meaning this morning. Fulfill all righteousness. Well, we know that the word fulfill means to complete, to accomplish. We might fulfill a contract. We might fulfill a promise or fulfill a mission. Righteousness, well, that's a huge word. It's a big word in, in Christian thing, thinking and in the Bible. But I think basically it means being right and doing right. Being right, well, not simply in the sense of being correct, like a math sum might be right. But particularly, the Bible talks about being right with God. What do I mean? Well, there are various ways of thinking about that, but um, perhaps it's a bit like when we're having an important one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody and, and we close the door so we can be on our own with them. But then another person walks in, and we might say, oh, could you wait outside, please? Or we might say, oh, that's okay. I'm all right with you being here. I'm all right with that person being here. They can join in the conversation. It speaks of acceptance. It speaks of that person having perhaps a legitimate reason to be there. Christians sometimes call this right standing, the right to stand in the presence of God. Or perhaps we might say this, God is all right with me being there, standing in his presence. He's all right with it. But righteousness 
doesn't mean just being right. It means doing right. Doing the right thing. Not the selfish thing, not even perhaps the thing that's accepted, but the right thing. In particular, the thing that God wants. Jesus wanted to be baptised to fulfil all righteousness. Or if I can rephrase that for today, we might say, in his baptism, Jesus wanted to show that he was ready to complete, to fulfill the mission of making all things right by doing the right thing. Now, of course, that immediately brings us to, to another question. What's wrong? If Jesus was being baptised to show that he was ready to complete the mission of making all things right, what's wrong that needs to be made right? Well, the Christian message is this. There is fundamentally one thing that is wrong, from which all other wrongs about the symptoms. And that is a, a, a wrongness in relationship. Specifically, the relationship between people and God. So what's wrong with the relationship between people and God? Four points, short points. One, first thing to know, notice is that God wants a good and loving relationship with every person, all the people he has created. And that includes, of course, you and it includes me. Secondly, though, people, and that probably includes you and me, are unwilling to believe that God is really good. That God always has their good at heart. And therefore, God can't be completely trusted. So, thirdly, people, that includes you and me, look for other things to make them feel good and look for other things to trust in to get them through life. Now, this can be done in completely non-religious ways. When we focus our efforts on such things as our relationships, at home, in our family, or with friends, or we focus on our successes in our job, at school, financial security, having a good pension, etc. Or we focus on our image, our looks, our fitness, our social media presence. Or we focus perhaps on our social worth, you know, our community and charity involvement. Or perhaps we focus on our kicks, you know, our holidays. Those things we do for an adrenaline rush. Just seen, just seen um, Andrew here, I was thinking, paddleboarding, you know. Or perhaps we focus on other, other such things that give us kicks like food, TV, or substances of one sort or another. These and other things, such things, are relied on by many, perhaps some of us here, to make them feel good and to get them through life. Why? Well, they because they believe that God, if he exists at all, can't be completely trusted to be good. But of course, it can also be done in a very religious way, when people focus their efforts on religious practices, 
They say their prayers, they read their Bible or other sacred texts, they attend places of worship, they do communion or other sacraments, they serve others, they might even get baptised. These things are relied on by many, perhaps some of us here. Why? Because they believe they need to do something that will convince God to accept them and be good to them. Do you know what the Bible calls an unwillingness to believe that God is really good and therefore cannot be completely trusted? The Bible calls it sin. And this rejection of God, lack of trust in God, this focus on things that I can do to make me feel good and that I can do to get me through life is the cause of all that's wrong in me and the, the cause of all that's wrong in you and all that's wrong in the world. <clears throat> now, don't get me wrong. It's not that these things that I have just mentioned, and I might include Irish dancing in that as well, it's, <clears throat> it's not that the things that I've just mentioned are inherently wrong in themselves. No, of course not. It's when we put them in the place of God, and it's when we rely on them to make us feel good, and when we trust in them to get us through life, that they are wrong. Why are they wrong? <clears throat> because ultimately, they all will fail us. They will fail to deliver what we need from them. That sense of worth and significance, that sense of purpose and meaning, that knowledge of our security and safety and acceptance. And the more they fail to deliver, the more we strive to make those things work for us and the more they lead to all that's wrong in life. And it ends up with greed and envy or despair and pride, self-righteousness and selfishness and cruelty and anger and hatred and lies and deception, etc., etc., etc. So, <clears throat> one, do you remember? God wants a good and loving relationship with all the people his, he has created. Two, we are unwilling to believe that God is really good all the time, and therefore God can't be quite completely trusted. So people, you and me, look for other things that they have control over and that they can do to make them feel good and trust in to get them through life. But fourthly, and this is the truth, God is completely and perfectly good. And because he's completely and perfectly good, he can't just ignore the wrong things we do. Perhaps I should say he can't justly ignore the, th the wrong things we do. And this is why God can't have a good and loving relationship with the people he's created. And this is why we can't have that right standing with God. This is what's wrong, which Jesus came to put right. So, where does the baptism of Jesus fit in? Well, it shows us how Jesus will fulfill his mission to make things right. 
Three points. Firstly, in his baptism, Jesus publicly and, and fully identified with people's wrongness, with my sin. You see, if you read the beginning of uh, chapter 3 in Matthew, we'll see that it was a baptism of repentance. People were coming out to John the Baptist to be baptised to show that they knew their lives were wrong and that henceforth they were committed to live their lives God's way. It was a baptism of repentance. Jesus, though, did not need to repent. He knew God was completely good. He knew God could be completely trusted, and he lived a perfect life that showed that. But in being, by, in being baptized by John, as Jesus went down into the water, it's as if Jesus, looking up at the people standing on the riverbank and looking down through the ages at us sat here this morning, it's as if Jesus was saying, I see your problem. I see what's wrong in your life, your sin, your rebellion, and I am here in your place. And I will take your wrongness, and I will deal with it once and for all. Jesus is identifying with my sin and taking responsibility to deal with it. And in his baptism, Jesus is also publicly and identifying, publicly, oh, I'll get it right in a minute. In his baptism, Jesus publicly and fully identified with his mission. And he shows us how he's going to accomplish it, how he is going to make all things right. Because Jesus, in his baptism, went down into the water. And this was a picture of his death going down into the grave. And we remember, don't we? It was on the cross in his death that Jesus took the punishment for my sin, for all those wrong things that I have done because I do not trust that God is completely good. All those wrongs that I have done that God cannot justly ignore because he is perfectly good. Jesus died. He went down into the water. That's a picture of his death. But Jesus didn't stay under the water. He came up out of the water. And that's a picture of his resurrection. Up from the grave, he arose. We used to sing at Easter time. And because Jesus rose from the dead, we can be sure that his mission was accomplished. He fulfilled his mission. Sin, the wrongs that I have committed, have not just been ignored by God, but have been justly dealt with. The penalty, the punishment has been paid, and the relationship between God and me can now be made right. Thirdly, in his baptism, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit fully identify with the mission of Jesus. We read in verse 16, didn't we, that Jesus saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Or as John's gospel puts it, remaining with him. See, God, was, God the Holy Spirit was there showing Jesus that he was fully with him in his mission to put things right and would remain with him, encouraging him, helping him all the way through. 
And in verse 17, we read that there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. And so God the Father adds his support to Jesus and reminds him that he loves him and is well pleased with him and with the mission that Jesus has taken on. Now, I think there's a whole lot more that could be said about the Trinitarian aspect of the baptism and and involvement in salvation and so on, but we don't have time. So that's the baptism of Jesus. That's good. But why are Christians baptised? I suppose the simple answer is when Jesus finally left earth, ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to go into all the earth, make disciples and baptise them. So it's what Jesus said. But I'll give you three points within that. So why are Christians baptised? Well, in baptism, a believer is publicly showing that they identify with the fact that Jesus has fully identified with their sin. See, when you're baptised, you're identifying with the fact that Jesus, in his death, took the punishment for your wrongs. The wrongs that God could not justly ignore And in so doing, making it possible for you to have this right standing with God. Now, I think we need to just dwell on that for a moment. The debt is paid. Not talking about the mortgage. It's great that the mortgage debt is paid. And we can fling the doors open now knowing that the building belongs to the church and we can invite who we like in and say, come into our building. Now, more than that, your debt, the debt of all the wrongs that you have done because you don't trust that God is really good. All right? Your debt paid by Jesus on the cross. And there is nothing a Christian can do that can change that. All right? Now, we can, if we wanted to, we could take out as a church another mortgage to do extra things on, on, on the building, all right? And then we'd be in debt again. We could do that. Don't think we are. Perhaps we are, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know nothing, all right? But more importantly, all right, you might think when you sin. And we all fail as Christians. We all do things that are wrong. We might think we're adding to our debt before God. But the debt's paid. All of it. All of it is paid by Jesus in his death on the cross. So that God will always say, well, he'll fling his doors open and say, welcome. Come into my presence. If if I had one of those things, I'd go... So, firstly, in baptism, a believer is publicly showing that they identify with the fact that Jesus has fully identified with their sin and dealt with it. Secondly, in baptism, a believer is publicly showing that they fully identify with their new mission in life. Now, I I suggest to you all here this morning that you, sometime later on today, you go and read Romans chapter 6. 
and read it in a, a number of versions and meditate on it for two or three hours because that'll give you the full, the full picture. Two and three minutes will do, but you know, whatever. Romans 6, don't forget. Right, what is the mission, the new mission in life of a Christian? Well, it's simply to die to sin and to live to God. What does that mean? Well, to die to sin is to realize that all those other things you spent your time, money, and effort on to make you feel good and on which you depend on to get you through life, they will always eventually make you dependent on them before they ultimately fail you. And to die to sin is to realize that all the effort you put into trying to be so good that God has to like you and accept you eventually achieves nothing at all but guilt and shame and tiredness, self-righteousness and pride. And to die to sin is to realize that you are dead to that way of life that depends on what you can do to make your life good and what you can do to get through life. And you leave it behind because it doesn't work and it makes you worse, not better. But our new mission as a Christian, is to live to God. Knowing that he is always good. Knowing that he can be completely trusted. You can live the life that God wants to you. He wants you to. Free from the need to try and impress him and persuade him to be good to you because he is good all the time. And free from the need to rely on him Sorry, to rely on anything or anyone else to make you feel good or look good. Because in Christ, you are good. You are right in the sight of God the Father all the time. And so you can be free to live the life that God would want you to. To not only be right with God, but to live right for God. But remember, you're not on your own. Because in baptism, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit identifies with the believers. You see, Christian baptism is not just in the name of Jesus, is it? Hands up if you've been to a baptism. Well done, thank you. Hands down. All right, we baptize, I think we do anyway, we baptize people in the name of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. See, it's not just in the name of Jesus, but it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And this reminds us that God the Holy Spirit is there and will remain with the believer, always encouraging them, energizing, energizing them for their new mission to live for God. And it reminds us that God the Father loves the believer and is well pleased with them as his child and will always be well pleased with them and will always say, welcome. It's all right. You know, it's, it's all right. Not just mainly right, it's all right. Welcome into my presence. Before we finish... I'm going to ask you to quietly reflect on two questions, just for a few moments. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you've been a Christian for a relatively short time. Maybe you're just thinking about what it all means. You may have been baptised. You may not have been. 
But let's all of us just spend a few moments, and I will give you just a few moments, to reflect on these two questions. What do I turn to first to make me feel good? And what am I really trusting in to help me get through life? your answers to these questions have been anything else but God alone and you realise that it's, perhaps it's time to repent and for the first time or perhaps once again you realise it's time to commit yourself to trusting wholly on the God who is good You you might like to join me in this prayer add your amen to it. I'm going to bring up um, the prayer phrase by phrase, give you a few moments just to read it, and then I'm going to, I'm going to pray it out loud. And you can join in, you can join in boldly and confidently and loudly if you want to, or you can just pray it quietly with a whisper. You can pray it in your head. Um, Or if it doesn't quite resonate with you, you can just think about it and let the words challenge you. So I'm going to bring the phrase up, leave it just for you to read it, and then I'm going to say it, and then we'll repeat that through. Okay. Let's pray. Dear God, our Father, I am so, so sorry that I doubt that you are always good and can be completely trusted. I am sorry that so often I strive after other things to make me feel good and trust in other things to get me through life. I thank you that Jesus knows my weakness. He knows my weaknesses. He understands my plight and he identifies with my sin.
I thank you that Jesus fulfilled the mission to make all things right between me and you through his death and resurrection. And now I identify with the death of Jesus on the cross and acknowledge that Jesus died to take the punishment of all the wrong things I have done and that you could not ignore all of them, past, present and future. And with the help of the Holy Spirit who will never leave me, I commit myself from here on to die to sin and live for you, knowing that you will always love me as your child and welcome me into your presence. Amen. Thank you, Richard. Probably a lot there just to take on board and to reflect upon. The two areas that uh, perhaps you would like to have some prayer for this morning might want to come forward over here to my right uh, if you want somebody to pray with you. Was one is if you're considering, well, why haven't I been baptized? Do I need to be baptized? I want to know more about being baptized. I want to say I want to be baptized. Please come over this morning and talk to, to one of us. And the second thing really is, is just as, as Richard's been saying, we know the truth, we know that God is good, we know that Jesus has paid the price for our sin, but at different times in our lives we go through things where we think, can God really forgive me for that? You know, we feel that there's something perhaps that may not even be particularly significant to other people, but for us it stays there somehow. We find it difficult for, to let God deal with that and to actually set us free. And if you feel there's anything like that that you want, would like prayer for this morning, please do come across the right-hand side again just to, to get some prayer for that because you don't have to live with that. God can set us free from anything. God can deal with any sin. There's nothing too big or too difficult for him to deal with. So let's just hold on to that. So we're coming just to the, the end of our meeting this morning. A um, couple of things just to uh, make sure you're aware of. Um, there's an event tomorrow, 7.30, it's tomorrow, isn't it, Carol? 7.30 p.m. Um, legal matters event. So if you want to actually find out more about wills, LPAs, what's an LPA, Karen? Lasting power of attorney, okay. 7.30 p.m. at Autumn Mortings tomorrow. Um, there's no cost or anything like that. It's just a question of coming and getting information and finding things out. Um, legal matters obviously are very important so if you'd like some help with that ideal opportunity um, it's good to have some guests with us this morning really appreciate that um, you may have received a welcome pack could you please then fill in the connect card inside and post it in the offering box that will give us a chance to be able to connect with you and to find out who you are and just get to know you a bit more that'd be great please make sure you look at the email update for details of coming events, things that are coming up in the life of the church. There's some important things in there. 
Uh, it's quite lengthy, but just make sure you're reading through carefully because there's some really important stuff there. Um, and this is people who would like to come. Okay, so the copies too of this book, which is a lovely little book actually, uh, called Believe and Be Baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, that's an excellent book to have a look at and just think through um, why it's so important to publicly show, publicly show that we follow Jesus. So could parents please collect their children ASAP? We're just about at 11.45, so if you go down and collect your children from children's groups, that'd be super. And uh, just pray this week that you'll have a really fruitful week, that God will bless you this week, and that you know his presence day by day. Amen.